So you want one thing, and the other person wants the opposite. What does the Bible say you should do? Just always give in? Just give up what you want and capitulate to them every time? So they win and you lose? Or should you compromise so you both win some and lose some? No. Philippians 2.4 gives us a better solution that might surprise you. Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. So we've been studying verse by verse through the book of Philippians, and we come this morning to verse 4 of chapter 2. And in verse 1 of this chapter, remember he gave us the motivation, remind us of God's tenderness and his love and his kindness towards us. That's the motivation. Then in verse 2 comes the mandate, the command, what we're supposed to do. And that is be unified, be like-minded, one heart, one spirit, one purpose. That's what he wants in this chapter, unity. So he gave us the motivation, then the mandate, and then in verse 3, the means. How do we get this uh, this unity? The way to get this unity is through humility. That's the means. That's the method. You don't achieve unity in the church by everybody signing the same doctrinal statement or everybody signing the same philosophy statement. You get unity through attitudes. The attitudes are what's important. We must have humble attitudes towards each other. And so in verse 3, he calls us that humility. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. Consider them better than yourselves. So so just take a look at the person sitting next to you or in front of you or behind you and, and, and think, you are more significant than me. You matter more than me. You are more important than me. Your concerns are more important than my concerns. You're thinking, man, that is just like so not how I'm thinking right now. (laughs) That's what we're commanded to think. That's the way we're commanded to, to comport ourselves towards each other. When we're not having that attitude, we're sinning. We're sinning. We're being disobedient. I see someone, oh, that guy, he's going to waste my time. Is that what I think? Or do I think, oh, that guy, here comes that guy. He is more important than me. His time is more important than my time. Is that what I think? Consider others more important than yourself. That's where we left off last time. That's verse 3. So now, verse 4, he's going to expand that idea out a little bit. And We didn't see verse 4 last time, so let's take a look. Each one of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So think back now to the last time you got into it with somebody. Last time you got into an argument with someone or conflict. Uh, Maybe it was a fight with your spouse. Maybe it was a conflict here inside the church. uh, Someone at work. Someone at school. Um, Maybe you got into it with, with your brother or your sister. In that argument, think back. Whose interests... Were you looking out for? Can you honestly say you were looking out for the other person's interests during that conversation? Or did you even stop and think about what their interests even are? Most of us, when we get into an argument, have very little understanding of what the other person's interests are. Are because the whole time they're telling us, the whole time they're making their point, what are we doing? We're, our mind is racing trying to think how we're going to counter their arguments. 
right? And minimize their interests so that they don't, we don't lose ground in the, in the argument. It's because I see the other person's interest as a threat to my interest, right? We're arguing your interests are a threat to my interest, so I'm going to minimize your side so I can maximize my interest. If I acknowledge your interest as valid, I lose ground, right? In the argument. So what should I do? I end up, I end up minimizing what you're saying, um, so I can win, but we found out last week, that's not winning, right? That's losing because we're all part of the same body. If you are a body part and you defeat another body part, you lose. If somebody in this body gets hurt, you're hurt. If they're benefited, you're benefited. So if we get into a conflict, I need to find out what your interests are and try to serve those interests. And I need to do that not just to be nice to you, not just to get along with you. I need to do that for my own benefit because I'm part of the same body with you. Okay? Now, Usually when there's a conflict, most of us don't think about interests at all. We only think about positions. So think for a second about the difference between interests and positions. Um, the, the position is you, what you hold, what you think should be done. This is my position. We should do A. No, this is my position. We should do B. Those are positions. But the reason we hold the positions we hold is because of underlying interests beneath that, right? I, I, I think we should do A because I'm... My interests are all this stuff, and that's pushing my position. I think we should do B because I've got these other interests. Typically, when we debate with each other, we're way up on the surface only talking about position A, position B. Let's do this. Nope, let's do this. This is better. Nope, this is better. And that's all we're dealing with, and we're, we're ignoring the, the rest of the iceberg under the water that is the interests. And when we do that, we're missing something very, very important. The reason I hold my position is because of my underlying interest. And the reason you hold your position is because of your underlying interest. And so our focus shouldn't just be on the positions. It should be mainly on the interests. Because if our interests can be served, the position doesn't matter that much, right? Uh, Family is on a road trip. Mom and dad start arguing. Um, His position is... Let's drive straight through, make it home tonight. Her position, let's get a hotel, break it into two days. When when she presents all of her arguments for her position, what does he do? He shoots them down because he wants his position. When he presents his arguments, she ignores them because she, she wants her position. And she wants to make the strongest possible case for her side. And so she shoots down his arguments. Neither side wants to acknowledge the strengths of the other side's arguments because if they do that, they weaken their own position. That's how, that's how it feels. So what's going to happen in that situation with that guy and that woman? Well, somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. Right? Maybe the guy realizes if she doesn't get her way, she's going to be grumpy the whole rest of the trip, probably bad mood for the next couple of days. It's not worth it. I'll just get the hotel. And he gives in. Right? She wins. He loses, they stay in a hotel. Or maybe it goes the other way. Maybe he gets his way, drives straight through with a defeated wife. He won, she lost. Either way, whichever way it goes, either way, both husband and wife have violated Philippians 2.4. Neither one has done this. Done what Philippians 2.4 says to do. You see what it says? It says each one of you should, look at this word, look. Each one of you should look 
not only to your own interest, but also the other interest. That word look is significant because it's different than the word that Paul would typically use. Normally, in a context like this, he uses the word seek instead of look. Like, if you just turn over to chapter 2, verse 21. Philippians 2.21, everyone seeks his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Or in 1 Corinthians 10.24, nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. Or 1 Corinthians 13.5, love does not seek its own interests. So Paul's typical way of speaking is to say that we should seek one another's interests. Seeking is an active thing. That means you're trying to bring them about. Make it happen. You have these interests, I want to make them happen. I'm going to try to get them activated, to make them be realized. That's what seek means. And and uh, we're commanded to do that repeatedly in Scripture, as I just showed you. But before we can be successful in seeking each other's interests, we have to actually know what each, interest, each, each other's interests are. And so in our verse here, in Philippians 2.4, he says, look. Look, and this word look means to keep your eyes fixed on something with deep interest. To keep your eyes fixed on something with some special interest. That's what the word means. So the whole time we're going back and forth in our discussion or our debate, I'm keeping an eye on your interest. I find out, I spot it right away. I ask you early on, what is your interest? What's your underlying interest? What do you, what's driving it? Why do you hold the position you hold? What is it? And I get, and then I get that. And once I get it, I keep my eye on that. And I don't take my eye off of it the whole time we're talking. I'm, I'm watching it. I'm watching your interest. Um, that's what this is commanding. So in the example that I gave with the husband and wife, they're in the car. He needs to find out very early on exactly what are your underlying interests, wife. You you want us to stop at the hotel. Why? What What is it that you want from that? And because her position is stop at a hotel. But what are the why? What's the interest? Well, pretty obvious in that case. Probably she just wants to the family to have a good time. After all, they are on vacation. That's the whole point of the vacation. And so uh, she wants the family to have fun and not be miserable. That's her underlying interest. So he discovers that. And then she tries to discover his underlying interests, which are probably, she asks, well, why do you want to drive straight? Well, because, you know, we, we need to stay within our budget on this vacation. We've already spent too much. And we, uh, I'm, it's part of my effort to keep the family financially solvent so we don't go under. Um, Now, let me ask you this. Is either one of those a sinful interest? Or are those okay? Like Those are okay, right? Those aren't sinful interests. There's nothing wrong with the wife wanting the family to have a good time on vacation. That's that's kind, right? And there's nothing wrong with the husband to care about financial solvency of the family. They're, They're both good interests. So... So how can both husband and wife obey Philippians 2.4? Here's how. The entire time they're having this discussion back and forth, he's keeping an eye on her interests. He never takes his eyes off of her interests. And the whole time she keeps an eye on his, never takes her eye off of his interests. She's, they care about that. And they object. They, they actually adopt each other's interests. So now... Her objective is to serve his interests, and his objective is to serve her interests. Um, it's, if that's a strong desire in her heart, and it's not a sinful thing, it should be a strong desire in his heart. 
And he can talk all he wants in this discussion. And he can provide all the arguments that he wants. But the whole time, he's got to keep his eye on her interests. Right? Adopting them as his own interests. So, so think for a second about some specific time in your life when a family member hurt you. Or someone in this church slighted you or insulted you. And you were hurt, you were offended. Why did they do it? Why did they do it? Probably because they were focused on serving their own interests, right? That's why they did it. So what were those interests? When they hurt you like that, what were their interests that they were trying to serve? If your answer to that question is, I don't know, then that's no good. Because it means you didn't keep your eye on their interests. You didn't even find out what it was, much less keep your eye on it. Now, you might have asked and they didn't tell you or whatever, but... but you should, if, if, if it's possible to know, you should know because your eyes should have been on their interest during the whole discussion. That's what this passage requires of us. Probably the reason you were offended when that happened was because they were failing to serve your interests. But here's the thing. Getting them to serve your interests isn't your responsibility. The Bible doesn't command you to do that, to worry about that. Your responsibility is to keep your eye on their interests. That's the command. And if you want to know how important this is, just turn over to Philippians uh, to chapter 2. Take Look again at chapter 2, verse 20. Paul's explaining why Timothy is uh, the one that he's going to send to Philippi. He's got to send an emissary from Rome over to Philippi, and he's like, I got one guy in all of Rome. There's one guy who's qualified for me to send. I can't send anybody else. Why? Well, look at it. Verse 20. I have no one else like him who's worried about your interests. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Now, a couple of things to notice there. Notice the word worried in verse 20. Your Bible might say uh, genuinely concerned or has genuine care or something like that. It's the normal word for worry. It literally means to have anxiety. Paul's saying, look, Timothy is the only one that cares about your interests so much that he's he's got anxiety in his heart. He's like he's like torn up because your interests aren't being served. I don't have anyone else like that. Which means no one else is qualified. If you don't if you don't have anxiety in your heart for their interests, uh, you are not qualified to minister to them. In ministry, Timothy's the only one because he has anxiety for their interests. Timothy knew about Philippians 2.4. He really put that into practice. He really, really cared about the Philippians' interests so much so that it was his own interests moving his stomach, his emotions. And that's what made him the only one qualified to go minister to them. Now, here's where this really gets interesting. Look at verse 21. Paul says, I can't send anyone else because everyone else looks out for his own interests rather than, and what you expect him to say is, rather than your interests. They're all looking out for their own interests instead of your interests. But he doesn't say that. He's like, I can't send anyone else because they're all looking for their own interests instead of the interests of Christ. (laughs) You see what he does there? He takes your interests and he switches out and replaces the interests of Christ, which means the Philippians' interests equals Christ's interests. 
How is that? Well, very simple. Christ loves them. If it's important to them, it's important to Christ because Christ loves them. And if it's important to Christ, it's going to be important to me because I love Christ. You see that? I should adopt your interest as being a big deal in my heart. Why? Because Jesus wants them to be done. They're his interests. Why are they his interests? Because he loves you and they're your interests. You see that? So, the husband is commanded to do that with his wife. He's, 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 he's supposed to say, I'm not going to minimize your interests in any way. I'm going to, I'm going to focus on that. I want the family to have a good time on this vacation. That matters to me just because it matters to Jesus. And it matters to Jesus because it matters to my wife and my, Jesus loves my wife. Okay? So now that's important to me. So this is, this guy is driven now. Family needs to have a good time. It's her interest. It's not a sinful one. Therefore, I care about it. Because I'm a servant of Christ. The wife is, is commanded to do exactly the same thing with his interest. So the wife's not allowed to take her eyes off of that financial piece. Because his interest is the financial thing. And, and, and that's not a sinful interest. And so she has to keep her eye on that. She can't take her eye off of that. When she's arguing for the hotel, she says, the hotel would be good for this, for this, for this, for this. But, but I'm keeping my eye on that, that financial piece that matters to me because it matters to Jesus because Jesus loves you. Matters to you, matters to him, matters to me. See that? Both have to do that. Can you see how unifying this is? I mean, the goal in Philippians 2 is unity, right? That's the goal. That's what we're shooting for, unity. Can you see how adopting each other's interests is going to bind us together in unity, deeper unity than anything else? If it's your interest, it's Christ's interest, because Christ loves you, I love him, so it's my interest. Now, instead of, instead of having two people with opposing uh, viewpoints and, and positions, you've got one couple who share two interests. Right? The husband has two desires, the wife has two desires. They're one, the desires are the same. Can you think of a time when you had a conflict with someone and all you looked at was the other person's position and never really spent any energy looking into what their underlying interests were? How many times, if we just took the time to talk about each other's interests, would we find that we're on the same team? Our interests align. Maybe a good exercise today would be to practice looking at the interests of others. And it doesn't have to be a situation where you're in a conflict. If you are in a conflict, then that's the best way to practice. But even if you're not, maybe you agree 100% with them on what their position is, or maybe you don't even care. Don't worry about that. Just get as much practice as you can today at watching for moments when someone has a desire, and then try to spot the interests beneath that desire. Father, show me how to care about other people's interests. When they take a position opposite the position I take, I'm just predisposed to find fault with it. But maybe if I could establish a habit of looking at their interests, looking at everybody's interests, I might be a little slower to just oppose them the moment they disagree with my position on something. Give me the patience and the humility that I need to slow down 
and look at the interests of others. If anyone would be justified in ignoring the interests of others, it would be you, Lord. You're always right about everything in both your interests and your positions. And yet, you care about what we want. It matters to you about not only what our desires are, but what our motives underneath those desires are. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for us? We are nothing, and yet you have made us a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned us with love and compassion. Father, if you can stoop to take an interest in me, how could I be so puffed up with importance that I can't be bothered to pay attention to the interests of the people around me? Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.